Whatever. I'll fix it later. I'll fix it in post. You'll fix it in post! <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, that's from an episode of Atlanta where they do a send-up of Tyler Perry, and <laughs> there's a Tyler Perry character on there, and he fixes everything in post. <laughs> and Sounds about right. The PAs are like, the, the editors have really told us that they'd prefer you fix it in pre. <laughs> and he's like, I'll fix it in post. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God damn. I love that show. All right. Let's get started. All right. All right. All right, nerds. Let's do this. So we are watching. What are we watching? The Last of Us season one, episode three. Long, long time. Uh, so. Oh, did you like it? Were you all up in your feels? Uh, okay. My heart. Oh, it was glorious. Oh, I loved it. So, so, so. I don't know that I can, like, actually... Talk about it? Be Without crying? No. Well, actually, I did not cry because that's how devastating I I found it. Was like, I was unable to cry. I was just devastated. I was like, my shirt was wet. Like, I was, like, crying. I was (laughs) crying, like, like, I was crying like Bill was. And, like, just, like, crying into my hair and shirt. Like, like, I was, like, didn't even. (laughs) Luckily, my nose didn't run. But, like, I was just, like, miserably crying down my face. Nick Offerman's crying. Oh, my God. He's so perfect. He's so perfect in this episode. But we'll talk about it. Okay. So, let's get to it. So, obviously, we already... Wait, we have to get weird first. We already got weird. I already called everyone nerds. (laughs) Okay. Like... We're gonna get serious. This show is serious. Serious show about mushroom people. Um, <laughs> mushroom people. Yeah, I don't know if anyway. I can hold it together. I'll try to be productive and helpful. I this episode is either heads up, guys. I don't know. It's either going to be very long or very short, and I don't know which one. Uh, <laughs> or just filled with like crying and shrieking. Moaning. <laughs> yeah, shrieking. Okay, so the first thing I want to start off with is. Um, kind of what we were talking about before we started recording. I, I mentioned previously this show, uh, pacing is what made the game great. It wasn't a relentless slog through misery. It never was that. Like, that's that's not what it is. That's not what the game ever was. I mean, there's parts that are scary. There's parts that are tense. Um, But the game, like, this is the one thing I was concerned about in the show was this. Is, is that there are these wonderful moments of stillness and just beauty and wonder. And, like, seeing this episode makes me realize they, they've got it. Like, they've got it. Like, the first two episodes were superb. I, if you go back, I think I'm just shrieking through our podcast. Like, it's just me shrieking happily. Um, and so to see this, like, it just kind of sealed the deal for me. Like, they get it. They 100% get it. Yes. And I love it. Um, so what, what were the words that you used? You said like beauty and, and stillness. Yes. I'll also add like joy to that, which yes. sounds like counterintuitive for an apocalypse show. But I love that idea of like finding joy in all of the madness. And they gave us that. And it spoke fucking volumes. And I have so much to say about it. So yeah. And most importantly, I think the joy they give is it starts off tentative. So, like, you're you're waiting to see if this is real. Is this a trick? Like, what's going to happen? When does the badness start? And then it just gets to be so lifted yeah. that you forget. And you're in the moment. Well, remember what I said when you asked me for my prediction about the show? Mm-hmm. About episode three. And I said, well, Bill and Frank, it's either going to be really cute 
or it's going to be problematic and I'm wary of them. And I was Mm -hmm. like, okay, so I was mostly wrong there, but I was right to be wary in that they they took me through the ringer. Like I'm still trying to recover. I just watched it, you know. Oh, this is a very gay gay uh, series. It was very yes, yes, yes. Like very pro LGBTQ, very pro Ellie. Yeah, there's there's a whole thing about how they treated these particular queer characters. Yeah, we can go into the barrier gaze, um, but let's not do that right now. So I wanted to discuss before we start with the actual episode, very quickly rundown. Um, I kind of started to do it at the end of the last episode, and then you were like shrieking at me to stop, by which I meant like asking nicely. But in my head, I heard it as shrieking. It was probably meant as a shriek, yeah. I mean, we're we've been friends long enough that I I like got it, so. You know, we were on the same level. So in the game, what happens, it follows roughly a similar path. And it serves kind of a similar dramatic purpose, but in it, in reverse. So let me explain. So you escape Boston. They still need the car battery, right? That's what they need. And they know Bill can get it. Bill is a smuggler. Lincoln is not the way it's shown here. Bill has turned it into like a labyrinth of traps and walls. Like there are pockets of intentionally infected left so that if people go through, they'll run into them. Um, And Bill actually lives in a church. So that's actually one of, like, if you notice in the episode behind their house, there's a church. Yeah. And it looks kind of weird and kind of conspicuous. That's on purpose. That's the church that that Bill lives in. Mm -hmm. And so Bill is... Like the Bill you see in the show before Frank shows up. He's paranoid. It's not... You don't know his history. You just know that he's paranoid. You just know he's very prepared. The the whole town is booby-trapped. And you're moving through it with Ellie. It's a very tense level because you're constantly running. You're constantly running into infected. You're fighting people off. It is also a very funny level. Because um, Ellie just hates Bill. And Bill hates Ellie. And they bicker relentlessly throughout the entire... They are, like, mean. He threatens to, like, hit her. I think he... Like, he he handcuffs her to a pipe. Like, it's... It's very funny. Like, Bill and Ellie do not get along. I do kind of... That's the one thing I kind of miss from this is, is like, the ridiculous and incessant bickering between Bill and Ellie. Mm-hmm. I was kind of on the fence about Bill uh, in this episode for maybe a, a good bit of it, maybe like a quarter of it. Um, mm-hmm. In the game, is he the same type of repressed gay Republican survivalist dude? That is not that is not highlighted. You meet okay. him. You don't see you don't see any flashback of him. You he is he is a prepper though. The same kind of like he has made traps. He has walled off this town. It's not as pretty. Like it is, like it has been turned into a labyrinth of like he's, in a he's thrown up barricades. Yes. Yeah. And but he's um, not carrying like a "Don't tread on me" flag. No. Okay. No, there's no. He is, however, homosexual. He's gay, and Frank does exist in the game, and it is implied that if they were not partners. He refers to him as his partner, but that is an ambiguous word in this meaning. It doesn't have, this was in 2013, it doesn't have quite the same meaning then. Okay, as so there's more now. ambiguity in the so game. There's ambiguity, but Bill is explicitly gay. Okay. 
Um, we know this because there's a, again, there's a very funny bit of when they drive off, we find um, that um, Ellie has stolen his porn magazines and they are gay. Uh, like they're 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 men, and she eventually nice, Ellie. like she makes this <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and she makes one of the only, like, a very funny kind of but gross joke. She asks, why are all the pages stuck together? Nice. And and then, jo- and El- and like, you see Joel kind of, like, <laughs> panic Joel, like, for a sec. grab it like, and chuck uh, it out the window. Like, <laughs> no. J- J- Ellie just goes, oh, I'm just fucking with you and throws it out the window. Oh, okay. Like, it's I not, knew it was like, going to go out the window, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a very, it's a very, very funny, it's a funny scene as they drive off out of, out of Bill's. But, um. What happens is is they're kind of making their way across this town. They've, they're trying to find the battery. They can't find the battery in the crash building because Frank has gotten it. And so Bill goes to, to – he's like, I know who might have it. And they go to where Frank's stash is. And um, they don't quite make it there, but they do find Frank. And um, he's dead. He's hung himself. He's been bitten. Oh, no. And you find Frank's suicide note. And it's implied that they have some kind of relationship. And there is shadows of it in the show. Like, basically, in the show, they reference, you know, I've had good days and bad. In the in the game, on one of those bad days, Bill and Frank split up. Bill tried to get the battery. He got bit. Um, and he was trying to get out explicitly to get away from Bill. And he says... And he always says to Bill, I think the quote is, is like, you said I was going to die, you know, getting that battery. Dying is better than spending any more time with you. Aww. You have the option of showing the note to to Bill. And he, like, you, Bill finds a body. He's distressed. Like, it's it's a very emotionally fraught scene. Like, Bill is clearly upset. He's clearly upset that, like, Frank died hating him. And it's just this very sad scene. And um, I'm so glad they didn't go that direction. I am so glad they didn't go that direction. Yeah. Um, but it was still considered very, very progressive back in the like it back in the For time. The time. Well, yeah, because Bill is this very gruff, very like I would call him like he is hyper masculine, like in like you know he's got this crazy rat trap fortress. Uh, Bill's a bear. <laughs> yeah, basically. Yeah. Um. And, like, to have him be competent, extremely, like, a person who is competent with weaponry and, like, you know, all this, you know, stuff and be gay at the same time. And it's just, like, incident. It's also treated as kind of incidental to his character. Yeah. Like, it's not a cooler thing. It's like, ooh, look, he's gay. You find it out by by the what Ellie finds. Yeah. Um, It was kind of, in that way, I suppose, a bit groundbreaking for 2013. Yeah. Um. However, it still does serve kind of a similar dramatic purpose. At that point in the game, like, Joel kind of explicitly blames Ellie for what happened to Tess. Um, He is very, like, kind of gruff to her. And it's kind of, like, Bill is held up kind of in the game as, this is what is going to happen to you, Joel, if you don't get a grip. Yes. And so... Cautionary um, tale type thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because you find in the game, you find notes Bill leaves to himself. It's clearly he is losing it. Like he is not quite like he's forgetting to clear parts of the town. He yeah. is leaving notes to himself that like like that kind of stuff. He's not he's not quite right because he's all alone. I and, could definitely uh, see a version of Bill that ain't wrapped too tight. Yeah. Yeah. 
And I think um, he was heading in that way before Frank comes along. To be honest. Oh, probably, definitely, <laughs> um, definitely a hundred million percent. Yeah. Um, and um, it's and he thinks he saved Frank, but he really saved, saved who? Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's well, that's the thing. So, and um, in the game, it's just like a clear thing that like. Joel needs to basically he needs to pull back a little bit and open up a little bit to Ellie. Yep. So it serves the same function of yeah. like motivating Joel to accept the role that he has as the protector of Ellie, but it goes about it instead of being a cautionary tale, it is something to aspire to almost. Yes. Right? Like when yeah. Bill tells him like this is your job to protect, you know. Yeah. Yeah. The one that you the, this Love. person that you that you love that you love and that you have the skills to protect and that maybe they're not uh, they're in need of that right they bring something else of value to the world but not survival necessarily yeah and it's a little bit more clear cut with ellie because tess could wreck shit like tess in the game and i think it is implied to a certain extent in the show tess is every inch as dangerous as joel like she is she is not someone to be trifled with Anyway, so let's go. Oh, can I just say? Back. Yes. You know, I have my little vein, my little shallow moments. Mm-hmm. Um, even though I'm not a shallow person in real life, I just enjoy beautiful things. Okay. Um, Anna Torv looked great without the the black eye makeup. So I really, I, I enjoyed seeing her. Kind they of also in a aged normal... her up a little bit too. Yeah. Everybody looked great this episode. Oh, they look great. Goodness gracious. Anyway, so let's go back to the Nick Offer. the actual show. Right. So this kind of. <laughs> <laughs> I was barking about Nick Offerman. He looks great. Ugh. That was a good wig. Ugh. The beard bothered me a little bit, but the beard you know, was not, not enough. Was not not quite there, but the wig was pretty good. Yeah, wig was. I wondered what was up with the beard. Like, had he happened to have maybe shaved his beard for a role or something? And I think he was in something else because I think he wasn't like he wasn't the first person cast. Oh, really? Do you mm-hmm. know who the first person was? Con O'Neill. I don't know Honey who that is. I think that's his name. He I can look is, him up later. Yeah, he's in um, Our Flag Means Death. Oh, okay, okay. I gotcha. It would be another... He, he would have done a, an excellent job. Don't get me wrong. But um, I think they made the right choice when they cast Nick Offerman. So, let's go to the beginning. Let's get it. Let's get it. So, it opens in present day, which is the first time the show has done this. And we see Joel... Uh, it looks like first washing his hand or soothing it in the river because yeah. he's still got that nasty bruises across the back of it from, Ugh. you know, beating someone to a pulp. Yep. This part took me out, the river Why? scene. Why? I took it as him saying, it was like a ritual for him to say goodbye to Tess a little bit. So I kind of took it as like a burial scene with yes. stacking the rocks and things like a that. A carn. He makes a carn. Yeah. This is all he can do. And he kind of you kind of watch him set his face before he goes back to Ellie. Yes, he does that a couple times during the episode. He does it a few times. Yes, and God, Pedro, ugh, it's he is doing like the most like he's doing volumes of acting with like the tiniest bit of like yes. if it's like one of those ones if like you kind of miss it like uh, it's it's unbelievable. Anyway, everyone is bringing their like a game. Everyone is crushing it in this show every single person so i spent the weekend watching videos of pedro pascal because i might have a slight obsession 
Um, I think you do. He is such a silly person. Like when I watched his inter- it's interviews. So, it's so wild. <laughs> he's so funny. He's so silly. And for him to be able to play this stoic character. And, and, and even Mandalorian was like such a stoic character. For him to be able to do that. Like he is. The the boy the boy earns his money. That's it's, all. That's kind say. of shocking. Like even even like the first big his thing voice he did, is different. His voice is always different in his like, shows. Well, because the first first big break was Oberyn Martell. Yeah, and that's very different. And then he was in Narcos. Yeah, Narcos very different. Mandalorian Narcos far, very different. Far, like na- <sighs> yeah. Well, he's a gruff. Well, he's not really gruff in Narcos, is he? I don't know. I think he's just tired of his white partner constantly. He's kind of got that like machismo thing going on in Yeah, Narcos but I also think he's bit. constantly tired of his white partner. He, he's constantly Spanish. exasperated. It's like, yeah. <laughs> like constantly like Latino exasperation at white people. Yeah, like like learn Spanish. <laughs> it's like, do I have to translate for you again? And he does. Like throughout all like three years, he's like constantly trans. And you're like, Learn Spanish, dude. Learn uh, Spanish. The boy can act, though. Just It's great. And then he was, yeah, he was great in The Mandalorian. And he was great in Wonder Woman 84. He honest. actually was, even though that movie and the script and the character were a little bit silly. But I, I kind of like the silliness. I, I was I campy. Liked, I, li- yeah, I like yeah. camp, you know. It was. It was. But it was one of those ones. He does, he does camp camp with like that pulls back into like legit sincere feeling very well he yeah. is camp like his, i think actual pedro is just a campy like can't control yeah, he himself seems like a very silly person. <laughs> over the top <laughs> yeah yeah i love it anyway <laughs> anyway so back to the show um we are moving west out of boston we find again this is joel this is more at thing of Joel cannot help caring about Ellie, even though he hates that he is doing it. Yes. He gives her his jacket and his food, and he will not look at her or speak to her while yes. doing it. Yeah. He is like a he's child. Like, Through the food. And- <laughs> yeah. And he like he doesn't even look at her when he does it. He like takes a little piece and then just launches it at her. And it's like, and Ellie is slightly exasperated with him. Like, come on, dude. She is such the adult in that particular scene because she's yeah. waiting on him to get the big picture, which is, as she explains, it's not her fault, right? So this is a deviation from the game. I want to talk about this. Like they chat. Like this. Like this speech is kind of one of the first times I think in the entire series outside of that one thing where he kind of has a bit of a PTSD flashback where he looks her full in the face. Like every other time he's kind of looking at her sideways or like he's like, he's looking at her like a kid who he, he's behaving like a child around her, like a child who is slightly afraid or is doing something reluctantly. Um, that's the yeah. first time he really looks at her full in the face. They kind of and tossle back and forth between who's the adult. Who's the it's child. almost always Ellie. Um, at least in this, in in this scenario. So yeah, Ellie kind of gives a statement of like, "Hey, this isn't my fault." This is a bit of a deviation from game, Ellie. I also think Ellie is lying to herself here. I think she really does believe that she is at fault. That's so interesting because I took it the exact opposite way. I took her at face value. No, th- I think she's that lying. she really doesn't believe that it's her fault. The yeah. scene in the woods before we move on. Mm-hmm. I love that she stood up to him and like talks to him like an equal, even though she is a kid. Um, I really just love that about her. 
how straightforward she is, how she's not afraid. Ellie is not afraid of no one. Okay. So, yes, yes. Like, and I love, I love her. That's one of the things I love about Ellie is, is that it's so weird. And it's also the same in the, in the games. Joel does kind of immediately, like, the refusing to give her a gun is the same. But, um, he still talks to her like she's an adult. Like, he's never talking down to her. Yeah. Ever. And she does the same with him. And the other thing, that the last thing I'll say about that is um, about this opening little uh, scene with them in the woods is that I like the, how much of a realist Ellie is. Because I take your point that, like, of course, like anybody, I think, would have guilt about Tess dying um, because of th- this mission that's in service of them like getting them from point a to point b so i take that but i think that she's almost you said lying to herself but i think she's almost like trying to convince herself too or like arguing with herself yes that like i think realistically rationally this is not uh um, yes yes on me and i 100%. like i like that she's a, a realist in that way yes i really like i but i think you're right i think you've hit the point there and i think um bella ramsey is the actress shows just a touch of that like you're right like it is clear she is trying to not only convince not convince joel so much but as she's trying to convince herself yeah like hey you did this yeah and bella um, ramsey is perfection she's fucking crushing it perfection we find out again ellie still wants a gun she's just like give me a gun she's not letting that go and i don't blame her no she she's smart they pit stop at Cumberland Farms. I just like when they're going into the the store. He tells her to like wait outside, and she just and she does him it. In. She does it. <laughs> yeah, she I thought it. I had misheard. She stone cold does it, and <laughs> she just keeps walking. She just keeps following him, in. and and he just says, "You ask a lot of goddamn questions," and she just goes, "Yes, I do," yeah. <laughs> and just keeps going. So, um, I want to ask you to take notice of Ellie gets real excited about Mortal Kombat. Mortal Kombat. Um, <laughs> Mortal yeah, Kombat yeah. 2, Dude. which was my shit, by the way. And I, oh, was it, was, it? it was one of the video games where I had, to, it was so scary at a certain point, like the finishing moves, mm-hmm. that I had to always have somebody in the room with me. Oh, that's cute. And this is like one of the last points at which I played video games. I'm not a gamer. Oh, but Mortal Kombat 2 was my shit. And anyway. I fucked with Melina. Did she take off her mask and eat people and spit Fuck out their yes. bones? Yes, she All right. And she had like these, like these teeth that look like fucking Morbius or something. I didn't see that movie. Um, so just store that little grain of truth away that she says she had a friend who knew all about the games. In the yes. video game, that is important. Um, in I the feel video like g- it's going to come back, right? Oh, it is. Okay. Um, in the video game, they make up a game. Um, and it's it's clearly meant to be Mortal Kombat. I forget the name of the game. But they clearly got the rights here. Okay, and that's really cool. I like that. I like that Joel cannot find his gear in this place. <laughs> that was a little silly moment from Joel. <laughs> well, I get the distinct impression that Tess is probably the one that uh oh hit maybe it. maybe yeah because he said oh it's been a few years and I'm like even if it's been a few years wouldn't you remember roughly where you put it like so maybe, I mean he yeah. was roughly in the same area like he was like he he was within like ten feet of it but he just I'm kind of sorry. forgot exactly where. I know Joel is supposed to be like, you know, Mr. Like Protector, Big Bad Man, whatever. He's so cute. I'm sorry. He's so he's cute adorable. and adorable. And he's just like a little like, 
Well, it's, he's just like it's, a little goofball. I love Joel. Joel is not a stupid man. No. But he is someone who is, I think, far like clearly we've seen for like the last 10 years, I think farmed out his ability to think. Like Tess was the planner. I yeah, like, I can see that. And like they like Tess always consulted him and they were always kind of probably together for plans. But like I think he had relaxed into the role of being the muscle. Yeah. And so he's not a dumb man. I don't mean to like he's not. Like we see him kind of you see him through the series, he's not foolish. But I think he's kind of relaxed. He's like he's just kind of lost like he is used to Tess filling that role. And so is kind of now kind of struggling to put it together again. Yeah. Um, I like that Joel repeats that joke uh, that he said earlier. There's a callback to the joke in the previous episode uh, where he goes, Elias, is there anything bad in here? And Joel goes, only you. Or just you. And yeah. she goes, oh, even funnier. Um, yeah, I actually <laughs> getting think this funnier. Is the, yeah, getting, I actually think this is the first time it's a joke. I don't think the first time it was necessarily a joke. Mm. I think the second time it is. Mm. And again, it's one of those, it's a subtle thing of like, oh, Ellie liked that. She found that funny. I shall repeat the joke because that is what fathers do. Yeah. He's, he's thawing a little bit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Ellie finds a crawl space and in this crawl space, she finds tampons and Ooh. a stalker. Tampons. Yeah. I love I mean, it. She's like, yes. I complain about the tampon tax, but I've never had to scavenge tampons like scavenge in like the middle of zombies to try to get tampons so yeah yeah and she gets a little weird with the stalker but she does um stab him in the head Mm -hmm. i took that as kind of 50 percent merciful and 50 percent psycho you know so here's how i read it same i think she's never been so up close to one of these things yeah before and so this is the first time, and I think it's very, very eerie, and I think it's a very good choice where they show how the eye tracks the knife. Yes. I was like, oh, I hate this. Like, there is still, like, whatever the lights are, like, there are still at least some lights on ho- in there. Yep. You know what I mean? They're still cognizant to some degree. There's still something. So she climbs back up. Joel gets a little worried about her because he's always going to be worried about her. Um, he stows the rifle. Ellie again is like, hey, can I have a gun? And he's like, nope. And so they leave and they're going on the road. They uh, chat more and we learn kind of about the outbreak. And she thanks him for the information. And Joel kind of like looks at her. She also yeah. makes fun of him for failing to shoot someone. It's, you know, it's complicated. Okay, so thank you, Ellie, because that's what I said last episode. Well, until I see Joel be a good shot, I'm not I'm not impressed because he was missing too much. So was so was what's I love, name? Again, I think this is a bit of a reference to the game. I would um, think I would think so. I was like, is that a game thing? It it is. Like one Are they terrible one, shots in the game too? <laughs> well, so the clickers often sneak up on you like that. So it's it's often a very, very high pressure situation where like you saw on the show, they are suddenly on top of you. Yeah. Like almost right? like Resident Evil, because that's hard to play as well. Yeah. Yeah, they're suddenly on top of you, and they're 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 called they're one hit kills. So that means if they get within range of you, a they kill you. There's nothing you can do about it. Yeah. Um, so they're coming along the road, and again we see Protective Joel kind of come out where he's like, "Let's cut through the woods." And Ellie, because like Ellie can read him like a book, 
she um was like, what's up there? What don't you want me to see? She's like, why are we cutting through the woods? Yeah. And we see a mass grave. And he, he does try to, like, chew her away. And Ellie asks, like, why? Why would they do this? And Joel gives a story of dead people can't be infected. Yeah. Why did they have to show the mother and the baby, like, alive? It hurt me. It was bad enough to see them dead on the ground. Yeah. But when they showed them alive, I was like, oh, God. Cutie patooties. Oh, um, both of weren't them. Weren't they cute? Cutie patooties. God damn it. And then it, and we see it's, it's 9-30-2003. Um, so four days after outbreak day. So it doesn't quite happen as quickly as Joel said, but it clearly happens quite quickly. Yo. Mm-hmm. Here's something I thought about, too, though. A little bit more than two years after 9-11. Yep. So this is a highly traumatized world for americans to live in like people that went through um, yeah 9-11 it's just hit after hit you know i also don't think this is the thing i don't think it started in the philippines i think they were just the first people that kind of cottoned on to it you know what i mean yeah because they have they had an outbreak of sars that like was very treated very very seriously there um at around that time and so like they're like they're not the philippines Indonesia, sorry, Indonesia. Indonesia. I think I yeah. said the Philippines. I don't know why I said that. Sorry, and um, and I like they had an outbreak of SARS, and it was very, very serious there. Like public health in Indonesia, in Indonesia is actually their their public health is actually pretty good, hmm. better than probably here because ours is fractured. Anyway, so on purpose, but let's let's not talk about not going to go to my soapbox. Okay. Anyway, so. We find Bill hiding in a sub-basement. Dude. He is deep underground. Uh, Homeboy's in a bunker. <laughs> yeah, he's crushing it. And it's, the and first my, note that I have in my notes is, Bill is crazy. <laughs> mine is Ron Swanson to the max. <laughs> he was Ron Swanson to the max. Yeah, that's why I really, really think, like, that's why it kind of shocked me that he wasn't their first choice, because he's kind of perfect. He's truly perfect, yes. Yeah. And then, like, we see them, like, kind of, Bill says, like, not today, you, what is it, jackboot you, you jackboot, you, you, you new world order jackboot jack fucks. fucks. Yeah. There we go, yeah. Um, Underline, Bill is crazy. <laughs> oh, actually, in in this scenario, he was he proven right. right. Yeah. Um, he's yeah. listened to some Bill Cooper, though. Anyway, so then it's like this lovely little montage of Bill going shopping. I love that they have him at the Home Depot because, again, it harkens back to Ron Swanson at the Lowe's just going, I know more than you. (laughs) I was just like waiting for that. I fucking love this little montage. One, I love montages. But two, I loved it. I love the Home Depot thing. I loved him like running through all the gates like, hey, none of this shit matters anymore. Um, (laughs) I love him getting premium gas because fuck it. Like, I... Hey, I can afford it now. <laughs> well, it's also it's also going to go bad. So he's trying to preserve it. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god, I love the whole montage. Yeah, and you see him like he and he's clearly like one of these guys. He's enjoying being alone. Like and he, yes. you see him built everything up. You see him be self-sufficient. He's got like 
He's got video of the perimeter. Like, you see him kind of build his little world. He's got the shit on lock. And even when he first comes out in his little... One, I thought it was funny that he was wearing a gas mask. So this is a reference to the game. But, of course, he doesn't know how it's being transmitted, right? So I don't blame him for wearing the gas mask. But he comes out of there, and once he realizes that the government is... Like, there's nobody around, he's like, Mm -hmm. all right. (laughs) Like, he's into it. Yeah, yeah. Which I kind of... Don't we all feel that way sometimes? Yeah. Like, oh so my that's God. actually a direct reference to the game um, because it's like when you meet Bill, that's how you meet him. He kind of trundles out armed with a gas mask on. Yeah. Um, and it's also because in the game, it's it's as I, th- I mentioned before, it's spread by spores. Mm-hmm. So it's important and also bites. So can't get bit if you got a gas mask on your face. Um. But yeah, so, I, I hate to say it, but I, I you, fuck with Bill. I yeah, think he's, he's crazy. He's good times. But I fuck with him. Yeah. Oh, he's like he is. He's right. Like I think. Like I think he just spent three years because it jumps three years into the future or four years. I think into the future, and I think it's just him enjoying four years of being right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so then we jump to two thousand and seven, and enter Frank in a hole, baby. Oh God, little Frank. Yeah. We. Well, Frank. Frank's the best. Sweet Frank is Frank. just Frank. I have Frank is immediately delightful. Immediately, he's, he's so delight. charming. And immediately, I was like, oh, oh, because I didn't know what to expect. I did not know that Bill was gay or anything like that. So, but immediately, at every moment that you know that they can build that kind of romantic tension, it started immediately. And I was like, wait a minute, Frank's being cute. Why is Frank being cute? He's so cute. What's happening? <laughs> And I loved it. I loved every single second from then on. So I think I think Frank is naturally the talkative one. He's naturally gregarious, cute, outgoing. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, I also think Frank clocks very quickly that Bill is like finds him attractive. They clock each other very quickly. I don't think Bill clocks what what Frank's about. I, I actually do. I actually I don't know if he clocks what Frank's about. Uh, but I think that Bill immediately finds Frank cute and attractive. Yes. Oh, yes. A hundred percent. And is wanting like, I think that's why he's nice to him and doesn't, that he tries to send him on his way and be like, hey, I'm letting you go. You should leave and go to Boston. Boston's that way. But I think there's a part of him that's just like. Well, I think that's why wait a minute, Frank this... is immediately stops taking him seriously. Yeah. Right. Yes. And is not threatened by him. Yeah, like you see him like kind of throw down his arms like, are you serious? Like, like clearly you find me attractive. Like it's before the end of the the exchange, before they leave and go back into the gates, like Frank has got his number. Absolutely. Yeah. And Frank is playing not even the long game. He's playing the short game because he's got him on the hook immediately. And he like sees a good thing and pounces. And I don't blame him. (laughs) Yeah. But so just a. Just a side note from Frank, we learned that the Baltimore QZ has fallen. Yeah. Which kind of hurt, kind of hurt me because I love Baltimore. and I do love Baltimore too. But it's it's kind of seems like they would fall, but like whatever. It's fine. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I think it's a bit of a crapshoot um, as to what happens. There's that funny joke about Arby's being a restaurant. I yeah. enjoyed that. That was so good. Yeah, and showed Frank's personality. <laughs> like, yeah, I love that Frank can't even be like, like it is. He's just like, no, that's stupid. Yeah, this is a restaurant. He's what like, but it's also about? it's also them flirting because it's like, well, they didn't have free lunch at Arby's either. What are you talking about? 
It was a restaurant. <laughs> yeah, I love it. So cute. And like Frank is clearly kind of flustered because he or Bill is clearly kind of flustered. And it's just like, I think at that point, Frank knows he's got him. Yes. But he's still like, I think Frank is legitimately, I, I also don't think Frank is really playing an angle here. I think he's legitimately delighted by Bill, especially once he comes in the house. Oh, and he, I think they're both super hard into it from second jump. one. From jump. Yes. Oh, I I think Bill is And I think first. they're just kind of feeling each other out and like trying to figure it out. Okay. Know. I thought it was more Bill first. But anyway, they serve him a fancy um fancy lunch, rabbit with Beaujolais. Beaujolais. Oh my god, that looks so good. It looks so good. And I love there's a lovely little exchange and it where, where where Bill kind of awkwardly goes, I know I don't seem the type and he goes, Yes you do. And it's just this like soft moment of kindness. Can we, let's 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 just let's slow it down a little bit, okay? Sorry. Let's let's slow it down. So, with this lunch scene, one who serves rabbit and Beaujolais for lunch? Okay, that's like it. That's luxury. He's being impressive. He wants to show off his skills for for this exactly. new man. Exactly. If Bill, I love that it's lunch. If Bill wasn't into it, and you know, Bill's been alone for several years. He's the type of guy that thought that he wanted to be alone. Like, this is his dream scenario. You know, later in the episode, he says he hated the world and was happy to see him go or something like that. Mm -hmm. But reality sets in. He's alone. He's lonely now, years into the apocalypse. And this cute guy shows up. And Bill pulls out the works. Because you can feed. You can feed him anything. You could have fed him a beef jerky. Yeah, you best believe he's probably got like some something that he just makes sandwiches with. Yeah, so he was he was putting on his best, like you know, setting out the goods. And I love this little moment when he comes out with the plates and he comes mm-hmm. busting through that door. Yeah, <laughs> all like he doesn't, he does, he's all flustered, all and hasty, like and. <laughs> And awkward. And I thought that was so cute. And I was like, oh, okay, I see what's happening here. Yeah, it was very cute. So I, so I, t- I, I've read this slightly differently, to be honest. Okay. Okay. So yes and no. I don't think Bill re- was lonely until he met Frank. Does that make sense? No, no, no. That, that totally makes sense. Yeah. Like, I think he was having a blast and a half. He's like, the world is falling apart. I got my guns. I got sulfuric acid. I got electricity and nobody else <laughs> does. And then Frank falls in that goddamn hole and he's like, oh, shit, I'm lonely. Oh, what's this? <laughs> yes. Yeah. So I just love, I love how flustered Bill is in these scenes. Yes. Like, I like my notes say he is like almost immediately taken with Frank. It, Comes it's out over. heavy. It's it's it was over in the previous scene, but it is like it is dead and buried. <laughs> like yeah. you know what I mean? Like yeah. it is. He's so awkward. He's so it's so sweet. It's incredibly cute. And Frank is is kind of like he's he's excited. He's jubilant. He's met someone new. And I, again, I don't think Frank is pulling anything here. I think he's excited to have met someone new. He's found this little bit of paradise. But yes. more importantly, he has found Bill. He like, has found an oasis. But I also think it is important to note that as much as he's found this oasis, he has found Bill. Yes. 
That, yes, I'm including Bill in the Oasis. Bill is the Oasis. Yeah. yeah. There we go. Bill is the Oasis. Bill is the Oasis. And he like And now we're going to start singing Wonderwall. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, because, okay, I'm going to let you go. I don't want to skip ahead. Anyway. Um, so I, what are the, one thing I really like is, is that Bill is concentrated on staying alive. But he's not necessarily focused on living a life. And I, I like the fact that or the details of life, I would say. And it's and and um, Frank is Frank because he cl- that's what I think that little scene previous where he dusts like you see the dust. Yes. Frank or Bill is capable of like these like he's clearly like he's got all these skills. He must at least have some some common understanding of engineering to a certain extent. He's clearly a smart, capable man. He's clearly enjoying this. He can hunt, or at least he's raising rabbits. Oh, we saw him, like, field dress some type of animal. A deer. It was, like, a big animal or something. Yeah, I'm assuming it's a... I don't know. Uh, anyway, it was large. He can do everything. He can do everything. But, like, he is he's missing the details of life. He's not concerned with, with dusting right now. Even though... Well, then, but here's what I'll say I don't about think this. It, I don't think it's dusting. Again, I think it is the details of life. He is living, but he has lost the details of life. I agree with that. But here's what I'll say about this. Yes. He does have a capacity to appreciate the details because... You, you see that in his love of cooking and his love of like these yes. fine, you know, de- he's taking time to develop flavors and making, you know, red wine sauces and things like that. And he enjoys wine. that pan. Hell yes. And, you know, so he and that's where they connect. Right. So he's not completely unable to see the details. And that's maybe something that's different from the bill that's in the game. Well, we don't see any of this. This 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 is new. Yes. But that aspect of his personality they they provide Bill, according to what you're saying about the game, they're providing this Bill a way into life. Yes. You know, like he yes. has the capacity for it. And Frank is shows up to remind him, yeah, it's the fucking fungal apocalypse, but we still got to live. Yeah. Yeah. And so they go and they, you know... Frank is all hyped hyped up. He sees the piano. He plays. Ugh. I texted you in like all caps about this. I know you did. <laughs> I was like, I was like. Literally, I was like, I was having a full conniption, like a full <laughs> conniption when they started playing the piano. Ugh. So good. It was Anyways, inappropriate how much of a conniption I was having. <laughs> it was, I loved it. I loved it. And like, I liked it. Like, Frank is kind of playing it in this kind of fast... He's just so excited to play it. He's playing like, it? Do you know who Frank reminds me of? I don't who? know if you you know this person. Rufus Rainwright. He's a singer-songwriter. Loudon Rainwright's son. Yeah. Could have been casted to play, play Frank. You know? And even the way he plays that song in this kind of, like, garish, brassy way. Um, very kind of show tunesy almost. Mm-hmm. Mm. I just loved it. I was like, ooh. Frank is giving me Rufus vibes. Also, gay icon. <laughs> I also think it has to do with the fact that he is so excited. So he's not quite giving it the reverence maybe it deserves, or the, the reverence that Bill clearly thinks it deserves. Bill takes it to another level. Yeah, and he makes a gives a much more mournful rendition of the song. Because Bill's been through some shit, yes. Well, I, in a way, I mean, in his own way. In his own way. Yeah. And this is, this is mean. 
Frank is a much better singer than Bill. I Jesus. Love- Nick Offerman? Such a good singer. Beautiful. Uh, I mean, it's he, it's beautiful in the meaning he conveys. In a technical sense, Frank is a better singer. Um, I actually agree with that. But yes, in the conveyance of the emotion. Yeah. Yes. Bill was better. And I just have Bill is so awkward and sweet. And I love that um, Frank puts his hand on his shoulder and goes, so who's the girl? Like, who you see, who's the girl? You're, and, then he, and he just goes, there is no girl. And Frank just goes, I know. You know, those, yeah, that was and a then setup. That was a setup. That was Frank going, okay, look, Frank moved in like Frank was getting uh, fresh. You know what I mean? Well, I think. Like, Frank I, saw his opportunity and he struck, and I respect it. Yes, but I also think these are two men that maybe, like, the world fell apart four years ago, and obviously we learned from Bill later that he has not had much companionship in his life. Ever, apparently. Ever. For, for Bill, and for Frank, it's probably been like four years. years. Yeah. Yeah, or, or it, we don't know what happens before, but it's likely been a long, long, or he's lost, or maybe he lost someone in the beginning, and it's been four years since he's had companionship. But like, it's clear that there is a clear and genuine connection on both sides and it's immediate and it's immediate and it's so lovely and so present when they're at that piano and nick offerman sings that song and both of them well up i love it. He in cried. their eyes and yeah. by the time frank moves in for that kiss a tear is shedding i know it's so wonderful that is some of the most beautiful in terms of like romantic storytelling that I have ever seen on my television screen because it was it's wonderful. And I, I love it from the kind of, from the point of view of the Bill character, there's this opportunity that is so unexpected, even in normal times. You know, obviously Bill was not focused on finding a romantic partner. He was focused on prepping and like, who knows whatever well, else. We don't know. So he could like, so that's the thing. I get the distinct impression, like, Bill liked prepping, but he clear like he clearly knew how to cook. He clearly had a appreciation for wine. He kept a very nice house. That was his mama's house. I get that. Yes, yeah. We don't know that for sure. Just the music was his mother's, and the piano was likely his mother's. He said it was his mama's house. I mean, they could have lived together, but they could have. But like, still, he clearly has like. I don't know. I, I get the distinct impression he like prepping is not his only interest, but he's clearly very strongly repressed. He's repressed. And that's where I was going with this is that uh, there was a girl at some point that was maybe a first experience or something like that. But he is either a gay man, like fully predominantly, or he's bi and predominantly his his sexual attraction is to men and masculine people something like that but he has not had that experience he's only had one experience in his life so the repression is there on on, on bill's part on multiple he, fronts yeah. on multiple fronts and there's this opportunity that is laying before him i mean bill essentially finds the love of his life in a at, at the end of the world at the end of the fucking world they fu- bill and frank find the loves of their life at the yes. end of the world and that's what makes it so beautiful but what i want to note here is is that i have like throughout the scene and throughout like ever you know once he kind of lets frank out of the hole nick offerman moves like a wounded animal he does 
like he like his he like moves awkwardly like his limbs are close he moves like a wounded animal he moves slowly he does have some type of injury unless he's just dragging that leg because it has a gun strapped to it i'm not sure which but he drags his leg yeah he has some kind of injury but like Mm -hmm. he but you can see him but you see him move competently like he has a slight limp but you see him move competently throughout other other aspects of the show like yeah when we introduce him to Frank, then all of a sudden he kind of like, like it's like all of his tendons suddenly shorten. Yes. You know what I mean? He becomes very drawn into himself. Yeah. Because he's unsure. And unsure. Yeah. yeah. And he, and it's just so, it's so wonderful. And I just have. One yes. thing that I wanted to say about, about the piano scene with Frank. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to underscore it. We have the newness of whatever this is for Bill. But mm-hmm. then for Frank. The shedding of that tear and the way that he makes that move on Bill, to me, it was Frank, it it was that character recognizing that he can find something, even in this terrible circumstance that existed in the world before. And that's why he sheds that tear in the way that he sheds it. In that kiss, he's recognizing that all is not lost, that I I can still have love in the pandemic. (laughs) I think I think and you're it right. Took me down. Yes. And how unlikely is that, dude? It's so unlikely, and that's why I I love that they made it queer characters. I love that they made it these particular queer characters. You don't see these types of dudes on TV a lot. You don't see a lot of middle aged uh, dudes. You don't see a lot of like middle aged love stories in general, especially not a lot of middle aged ones for 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 queer folks. Either. Yeah, you don't and. The only other one that I've seen, re- and it was recently, was Our Flag Means Death. Oh, I haven't queer- watched it. You show. need to watch it. I know, it's I do. It's so lovely. It's so wonderful. Um, it's so soft and gentle. I love it. Where was I, go- where was I going with this? I don't now know where I- you're going with now this. Now I've forgotten. But other than Frank is the best. And uh, I think I think he's also... I think he's, he's crying because he, like, he has found someone to be safe with. Oh, that's where I was going is, oh. thank you, is that how unlikely is it? And and they, they, they layer multiple reasons that this would be all the more unlikely. Mm-hmm. So one, gay men make up, you know, anywhere from, you know, statistics say like 5% of the population, but I think it's way more than that. I think so too. Especially if you lump in bisexual people. But anyway, a segment of the population how likely is it that they find each other in the apocalypse, um, out in the middle of nowhere, that Nick falls into that hole, layered on top of the fact that Bill is repressed, and so they kind of have to suss each other out. How unlikely they make it that it's these so two people get together sweet. makes it even more powerful. And it carries all the way through the episode. There's that, but it's also... Star-crossed. Star-crossed lovers. Well, there's that, and it's also so natural. The entire, like... It's so perfect. It's so perfect. Like, and that is what love and is. Everything, and everything It's unlikely, and it's perfect. It's so wonderful. And that's what made the story so beautiful. Yes. And then, and then so they kiss, and then he tells them to go take a shower. And I was like, I Baby. Like that. So this is when I was like fully shrieking at the top of my lungs <laughs> because I fuck with Frank hard. 
because I like how direct he is. He pulls back from that kiss and he's like, Bill, go take a shower. And I'm like, okay, okay. I, I was getting like Prince vibes. I was getting like, I was, he was, I was like, oh, Bill, oh, Frank's about to wear it out. <laughs> like, <laughs> I love that. I just, I just love, and then. Wear and then, it out. So, so you know, the next scene is in the bedroom. I love and how like, you just skip past my little freak out there, but that's fine. It is. I'm trying, I'm trying, like, we can't, like, we, we do have to finish this sometime yeah. tonight. And okay. we're like, I think like. We're Maybe an thirty hour minutes in. into okay, the okay, show. Okay, 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 okay. <laughs> like, <laughs> we'll go. We haven't even gotten past anyway. Um, Weird so out, I just love I love when he they come into the bedroom and like again Frank is so reassuring and so warm and so wonderful and I don't mean this in a creepy way but like Bill comes in and he's, he's again there's like a child like there's like an innocence to the way he comes in he's like an innocence yes yes. And he's just so unsure, and you find Bill has never been with a man, and it's just, and he just leads. Or barely anyone. Or barely anyone, and it's so cute. And I love that Frank kind of, I think, half-jokingly goes, I am not a whore, and so he will be staying for a few days. And then it jumps to three years later. (laughs) Oh, I love Frank. Yeah. Frank's like, I'm going to, you're going to get your uh, money's worth. Okay, so... (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, and Bill is just like, sure, whatever. At this point, he's like, I don't, whatever, dude, stay as and long as you want. Bill, Bill, Bill's like, yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, and it's just these little, he's like, yeah, yes. yes. <laughs> he's like, whatever you do, just don't, don't take this away from me at this point. Yeah, yeah. like, don't, don't leave me. One, one funny thing, though, because I have this highlighted yes. in my notes and I didn't get a chance to point it out. Yes. When... Bill and Frank, it was like right after the piano scene, and it's when Frank is like, Bill, go take a shower. Frank runs up those stairs. Yeah. Hilarious. In that weird way. It's like he is like, he's so excited. He goes from being this like tentative, slow moving man to he, you hear his feet go like, like he runs (laughs) up those stairs. (laughs) It was funny to me. It's great. Oh, it's great. It's so, it's just so, um, and I love that it just jumps to three years later. And we plop down in the middle of a Frank and Bill fight. Um, and I get the That starts with, fuck you. <laughs> yeah. I thought that was funny, too, considering the last scene. Yeah. Like, this is the Bill and Frank relationship that is implied in the games. This is kind of what it is. But. Instead of seeing like like in the games, instead of we see them fracture, they resolve it, and it's and it's, you know, Frank makes the point of paying attention to things is how we show love. Frank and like he's like I'm gonna fix this place up. I'm gonna fix certain things up in the boutiques up in town, and he goes, "Why? We're not gonna have visitors." And Frank insists that yeah, we will. We're gonna have friends. He's like, We're gonna have friends. Yeah, I've been talking to a lady on the radio. The next scene is is that it cuts to, you know, we see Joel and Tess. They're having a garden party. They're doing a double They're, dinner date. I know. It's so cute. <laughs> so cute. And I love that Frank and Tess clearly get along instantly. Yeah. And they are doing it particularly to drive Joel and Bill crazy. <laughs> a little bit, yeah. Like they, are, like they are clearly enjoying just driving their respective partners up the wall. Yeah. And Joel is hiding it a touch better. But not by much. Not by much. 
Like he's just like, and he has that whole thing about well, you know, if my if my if mine brought strangers yeah. into, and it's a, <laughs> just like Joel, you can't say he can't say girlfriend. He can't say he can't say either partner, girlfriend or partner. Or, he can't, yeah. or even wife. Yes. Yeah. He can't. It's it's. Let's be honest. It's pretty close to wife. Yeah. Like that's in reality what it is. I think anyway. If he would have let it been that way. I think it was whether or not he acknowledged it or not. I mean, yes, yeah. well, because it's clear he cares. It's one of those things like I get the distinct impression that my read on their relationship was always Tess wanted him to open up and be more forthcoming emotionally. And Joel could not do that. But whatever Tess wants, he goes along with. He will do whatever, anything and everything he can for Tess. Yeah. Express. It's one of those ones where like. His words lie, but his actions don't. Absolutely. And how much do I love that? Yeah, and we we are starting and we are starting to see it with Ellie too. You see it with Ellie immediately. Yeah. Like that's another one of I think it's one of the ways that this show understands love. So this show is about love and so Mm -hmm. is the games. Yeah. That's that's the theme. Love is the theme, the major theme of the show. And the games. So I just love that they're having this dinner party where Te- Frank and Tess are just, they're having a blast. They're having a ball. And it they're looks clearly like- having a legitimately good time. And Joel and Bill are just staring murder at each other. They yeah. are looking at no one else but each other. But Tess and Frank are living in a world where that, that could have been my weekend. That could have been, you know what I mean? Like that could be, yeah, just we're having a, a dinner party. Yeah. They're living in a completely, they're trying to find normalcy. Yes, and these two just and kind of can't. Bill is on some paranoid shit where he's and uh, he's doing and undoing the safety on his on his gun. Gun, and he's like <laughs> again, and Joel is just staring him like is again just he's on the same wavelength. Yeah, and I just love that they are on the, they are on murder wavelength, and Frank and Tess have already been like, no, we're friends. We're Shut friends. up. Yeah, like what are you guys? Stop it. Like, and he's like, don't go in the house. And I think, I think Joel kind of protests a little bit too. Um, he is like, well, Tess is here. And so I got to sell this because Tess wants this. And so he launches into a spiel. Like, we can give you stuff. I like how he just kind of like is lightly talking. And then all of a sudden he just goes and stop pointing that gun at me. Yes. And it's clearly a threat. That was so good. He goes from making offers to making a demand in one sentence within the same sentence. It's great writing. Yes, and it is clear, and it's just a switch in t- slight switch in tone, slight, the tiniest change of facial expression, just the teeniest, tiniest. And Bill respects it. He's like, okay. And he puts the gun away. He holsters it. Yep. Can I talk about something that I loved about this scene? What? That might be the next thing you're going to say. So when Joel talks about how out of everybody that you could have started talking to on the radio, we're actually decent people. Mm-hmm. Which contradicts Tess's assessment of them from the first, you know, episodes of how jo- you know, Joel were not good people. So there's a contradiction there, and I'm trying to figure out. One, I believe both of them. I believe that they've done certain things that are maybe in the morally black or gray area, but also Joel is clearly right in that he's a good guy. Tess is a good woman. You know, Joel's um, never been a good guy. I I have to look. I don't know as much as you, but I have to disagree with that 
because of the way that I see this long-term relationship shown to me in episode three with Bill and Frank. A person raids them at some point. Joel never does that. Joel is trustworthy. But Joel's not a good person. Those are two... They can be mutually exclusive. And I think the, sh- the game shows us this. or And the show shows us this in the first episode where he beats a woman to death with a wrench without hesitation. Yeah, because he has to. That That's survival. He has to. But what I'm saying is when he has the no, choice no, no. about... He also leaves people on the side of the road when they need help. He also has to, to do that. He doesn't have to. In that situation, you couldn't... Because you don't know what's going on. You don't know. That's the thing. You don't know. He could have helped them. I don't. Here's the distinction for me. You're mm-hmm. on the run, and you've got to protect you and yours. I'm all for keeping it simple, keeping it just us. But with okay. the with the Bill and Frank situation, there's relative safety, and he does not take advantage of them. So that's the distinction that I make. A horrible person takes advantage of good, innocent people for no reason. Maybe at some point he'll fuck somebody over, but I think it'll probably be in service of Ellie or something like that. Joel has a history. Um, anyway. So, you know, it cuts to the end. Like, this is the only time we really see him. Like, they, and, and they're about to leave, and Joel gives Bill the heads up. Raiders, they're going to come for you. They're out there, and they're coming. And it jumps three years ahead, and it just says... My notes just say, strawberries giggle, they are lovely together. Oh, the strawberry scene was so great. Yeah, it was wonderful. And Nick, Nick Offerman's little, little giggle. giggle. So uh, cute. And that's his real giggle. He like that, Yeah, that's his real laugh. Like that. that's just, that is just the way that man laughs. It's great. Which is so, it, I've always found it's that so, so funny. so wonderful. Like coming out of this like very like, you know, macho dude. He looks very dude. stern, yeah. Yeah, and... Um, he has that silly little giggle. It's so cute. It's great. There's this lovely thing, and, he, and it, there's this lovely sentiment that I think we can all learn from you guys. And Bill apologizes to him. He says, I'm sorry I'm growing older faster than you. Oh. And he just says, that's okay. Old means we're still here. Old means we're still here. Better than oh. the alternative. Amen. Yeah. But also that statement, that the apology that he makes. And how that gets turned on its head by the end of the episode. It does. And yeah. I, there's also another great quote in here. And, he, and Bill says, I was never afraid before you showed up. Yep. This is, I think, a theme you will see throughout the show. And it does not with with Billy, with, with Ellie and Joel. I Absolutely. don't think that's a spoiler. I think that's pretty clear. Oh, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's on the surface. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. And so I never know. Because I'm not good at spoilers. Because time is a flat circle. Um, so that night, I don't know if it's that night, to be honest, but in that period in 2013, yeah, the Raiders finally come. Finally I don't come. think it was that night. I think it was sometime later, but yeah. Yeah, I think it's in that period, right? Um, Bill gets shot. And what I love about this and what I think is important about this is, is that he tells Frank to go to Joel. He'll take care of you. Yep. Like he believes. Now, see, if Joel was a bad person, would Frank be sending, would Bill be sending Frank to Joel? No. Joel's honest and reliable. Joel has a loyalty about him too. That that's part of being a good person. Okay. Um. 
So then we get a time jump and you think it's, you see someone in a wheelchair and you just hear Frank calling and it, and it's a bit of a thing. Like it's Frank's in the wheelchair. He's sick. We don't know what it is. It is clearly some sort of. I think it's like a neurodegenerative thing. Yeah. Neurodegenerative. Like is it Parkinson's? Is it ALS? It's. I think it's multiple sclerosis. Yeah. Or is it MS? Like it's, it's something. We know it's something and like they, they don't name it, but we find out that like. They didn't have a cure for it in, in, you know, before the world fell apart. Yep. So, um. And something that would, an MRI would be helpful in diagnosing and treating. If it's an, if it's an MRI and they want to scan his brain, then it's probably a neurological disorder. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's probably something. Well, and the way he kind of holds his hand kind of curled like that is usually, you usually see that kind of motion i suppose in in neurodegenerative diseases anyway all right let's get back into this so bill and frank are old they're soups old they're so old Um, i think they're probably in their 70s and i i heard i saw some things online where they seem to age all at once they don't that's just what happens when you get old you're fine and then suddenly you're old it happens really quick they did time jumps. I mean, they did. Well, they did. They did time jumps, and in them, you do see them get slightly older. I'm just trying to explain this to the young people I saw on the internet that this is how you get old. Yeah, you generally look. A lot of people like generally from about thirty to, if you're lucky, sometime in your sixties, you tend to look roughly the same. Yeah, like more wrinkles, more gray hair, whatever, and then you suddenly get old over the. Of a, over a very quick period it's usually like two or three years yeah it's just that's how it goes it is how it goes yeah all of a sudden you're old but the reason for that is in my mind is because your body is weathering the progressive you know degeneration that it's going through as you get older so if you look at frank like frank has ms or some type of you know uh neurodegenerative disease Bill already had a limp when we met him and we know that he's doing all this like manual labor keeping up you know the infrastructure of the place so um dealing with pain and disease ages you in my opinion that's why people tend to get old really fast that's why you also see people that suffer trauma age prematurely yes I also think that there is just a threshold in which your body can kind of compensate for and that threshold kind of, like, it's like a spiral. It's like a tighter and tighter spiral. There's a certain amount that you, you can bounce back, you can bounce back, you can bounce, and then suddenly you're old. Like, you, whatever that threshold is, is you've crossed it. Yeah. We see kind of panning around the house. The house is filled with Frank's paintings, which is quite lovely little bits of domestic bliss. I loved it. Frank the artist. You know, Frank is suffering. We see the next day. Frank puts himself into his wheelchair and he asks for a last day. And Bill is devastated. And friends, so was I. I'm <laughs> having a hard time not crying now. Um, and they have their last day. And it's beautiful. It starts with toast. And then they go and he picks out their outfits for the day. And then they get married. And it's wonderful and they have their last meal 
And it's the same as their first. And it's just the so... The rabbit with the Beaujolais. Beaujolais. It's so touching. I hope so that Beaujolais lovely. wasn't vinegar by that point, but... I mean, it probably I mean, wasn't. I think he stored it's it It's probably not. He's storing it. Like, he's got... He, you can see he's got, a, like, a cool cellar. Like he's He did have a cellar, storing, yeah. Yeah, he's got a wine cellar. Like, so it's probably in pretty good shape. And... The fact that they get married... Yeah. ...was so beautiful. Because the world ends before gay marriage is legalized nationwide. In, in their timeline. It ends before it's legalized in Massachusetts. It does. That's a very good point. Yeah. One, they wait that long to get married because it wasn't a possibility in their world, in the pre-pandemic world. It didn't quite occur to them that they could. Exactly. Because they couldn't. And then they do it at the very end. Uh, yeah. That's so beautiful. Deeply and moving. The end comes, the end of the meal comes with a final glass of wine. And Bill goes through with it. He grinds up all the pills as... As Frank asks, and they both throw down the, the glass of wine. And it's at that point Frank realized that it wasn't the pills you saw him put in. He poisoned the the whole bottle. They're going to die together. And I think what is this is another perfect part. Bill explains this isn't some sad suicide play at the end of the play. Yes, he's old. He's satisfied, and Frank was his purpose. And they go to bed. Underscore that he's satisfied. Yes. Huge. He's satisfied. Yeah. Like, well, and that's to be practically minded about it. Say he outlives him. Frank is, or Bill is, they look like they're late 60s, 70s. This is still Bill being Bill. He's being practical. As much as it is romantic. Please don't misconstrue that. Bill's being practical. He's old. He's not, like, what? What is he going to live? Five, ten more years? Maybe. He can't do the manual labor he once could. You see you see it on the outside of his house. You see kind of, like, how well maintained it was. And now it's starting, you see the paint starting to peel where that wasn't the case before. Yep. You know? And the, the some of the barriers and gates starting to rust and things like that. Yes. Bill's going to die ugly if he doesn't do this. Unless he gets really lucky. But what, he gets a couple more years of just being sad and alone? Why? Yeah. The infected could come. The raiders could come. He can't fight them off anymore. And he can't... In this situation, he's choosing how to go. He's choosing Just as much to... as Frank is. Yes. Mm -hmm. He's choosing just as much. And he's choosing to stay with Frank. And, like, let's be honest, like... If he gets lucky, he dies in his sleep. More than likely, if none of these other external things get him, he gets hurt. He gets sick. And he dies slowly. And in agony. And he dies ugly. Why? He can go, in the, you know, with his arms around his loved one. And yeah. it's beautiful. So can I just talk about... Mm -hmm. I just want to talk about how important their choices were doing it this way as a queer story mm -hmm. because sometimes they're, they're still done well but at this point I feel like we can move past the kill your gaze story yeah bury your gaze yeah 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 and this is this is not that it's the it's the literal opposite of that mm -hmm. 
And I think it's a deliberate choice because from what you describe in the game, you know, having someone hang themselves is kind of a very on the nose, kill your gaze story, Mm -hmm. storyline. And in this situation, you know, I could see, I think I saw in in the credits that Craig Mazin wrote this episode. I could see that being a very deliberate choice from a very conscious story writer of wanting to allow these characters to not only choose their own ending, they get to live out their lives together. They get to find love and inhabit that love and rejoice in that even in the most bleak and kind of hopeless scenario that they you know that they're living in Mm -hmm. it's a story of queer survival like literally and figuratively yes they make it they make it how fucking and i was i was in my living room like throwing it sounds weird but i was kind of throwing up my arms they make it watching them at the end i know it's supposed to be a sad moment but they actually did make it they actually got there happily ever after it's I don't think it is supposed to be a sad moment. I think so that's the thing is they got there heavily ever after in a world where almost no one gets it. You're not supposed to get it. You're not supposed like you're not regardless of like you're not supposed to get it. And they get it. And it's in defiance of the world. I think it is supposed to be joyful. They won. They won. It was very poignant to me. Yes. Because I, I was sad, but I was also happy for them. Yes. You know? And I also think that it's a commentary. I, I think that if the world doesn't fall, Bill dies alone. I think you're probably right. And just the, not only is that beautiful as an individual story, but it says something about how fucked up. <laughs> our world can be for some people both because of their sexuality and because of cultural constraints that are placed upon people or that people placed upon themselves yeah i don't Um, know that he would never find love because i think we discount just how i think we discount just how progressive people have gotten in the last 10 to 15 years i agree with that but here's why i say this Mm -hmm. it's only looking at the character of bill yeah. Not even as a societal thing, a little bit, of, somewhat as a societal thing, but also as an individual Bill thing and how Bill right. is responding to his society. Bill lives outside of Boston. I don't know how far outside, but somewhere outside of Boston. He could have gone into the city. He could have done all types of things. But the, the person that Bill was, his personality, his proclivities, the type of life that he chose for himself I think almost he saw as being incompatible with his own sexuality because because what else was he doing I've seen it to where people do that to themselves I've also seen it to where people live very integrated lives I'm from bumfuck like nowhere Mm -hmm. so I've seen people take it in both directions I read Bill as somebody who would not have opened himself up pre pre apocalypse, post apocalypse, whatever, unless it was for Frank. Like See, if if he had found Frank in the in the 
Yeah. Before so times. That's what I would say. Is if yeah. they had found each other, I think their relationship would have been similar. But they wouldn't have found they each other. Have. He's in Baltimore. Yeah. And for people who don't know, I guess if you are not in the U.S., that's relatively far away. It's like five or six hours. By- Probably, yeah. Anyway. I just think it was a huge triumph for these characters. It was a huge triumph for the show. It's beautiful. It was a triumph of writing. It's perfect. I loved it. It's perfect. I loved it. All right. So now we cut back to present-ish day. Um, Joel and Ellie arrive. Joel knows something's wrong immediately. He clocks the flowers. And Ellie finds the note. It comes with a key. And Joel doesn't want to read the note, so Ellie does. And he and it's like we said, it's it serves the, the same purpose. Find the one person worth saving. This is another thing where we don't get a lot of Joel and Ellie. This one, did you know? Did he immediately looks at her? Yes, of course. Like just, he's looking down. He's kind of like you can see him kind of struggling with his emotions again. Because as much as I think, like he's just lost Tess. I think losing Frank and Bill are a blow too. Absolutely. Like it's, it's his support now. I mean, I, it also means he cannot come back. These people are gone. He cannot come back to Boston because he can't smuggle. Frank and Frank and Bill are the people he's are the ones that are helping him smuggle stuff in. Yeah, he's lost. He's lost people and he's lost lifelines. Yeah, yeah. So Ellie reads through the note. The note then explicitly mentions Tess. He mentions Tess as the one worth saving, though he's looking at Ellie, and Joel takes the note and. Um, he leaves, you see him again, kind of lock down his face and he crushes the note. This is, I believe what happens in the game, but it happens with Bill. You hand Bill the note, he reads it and crushes it. And he kind of struggles. You watch him in the game, kind of fix his face and try to shrug it off. He finds, he finds a truck in the, in the garage. He puts together the battery and he comes back in. And Ellie is just kind of sitting there shell-shocked in the chair. And I want to ask what you thought about this. Because there's a... The rules that he reads out are almost word for word what he says in the game. Ellie's reaction is different, though. And so I kind of want to get your read on this. So remind me, let's let's run through what the rules were. I know it was not to mention Tess. Um, do as I say. Yeah. It's do not talk about Tess. Uh-huh. Like there's three rules. One is don't talk about Tess. In fact, he goes, I don't want to know your. Don't let's not talk about history at all. Mm-hmm. Two, don't reveal. Don't reveal your condition. They're either not going to believe you. Like they're gonna they're gonna see the bites and they're gonna try and kill you. And three is listen. Like what I say goes. Ellie is kind of shell shocked. I think she realizes a little bit more so than Joel what Joel has lost, and she is a touch afraid. Both of him and for him. Does yeah. that make sense? Absolutely. I think that she falls into line as a courtesy to Joel. Okay, I'm not going to be difficult. I'm going to pull in the same direction and say that you're, you know, that you're in charge. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. But he's lost basically three friends in a day, and I think Ellie has kind of clocked that situation better than Joel has. Uh I think that he's clocked it. I I think that it's more of a they're recognize she's recognizing him beginning to process what he's lost. Hmm. 
Yeah, I, I think it's a very, I read it as a very kind of almost come to Jesus kind of. They, really, they do. They have a come to Jesus moment where, where Joel goes, this is how this is going to play. I'm laying it out flat to you. And Ellie goes, I understand that. It's a real, it's a moment of honesty between them. Interesting. Um, so I have a couple of questions for you. Mm-hmm. Not about Joel and Ellie, but about back to Bill and Frank. Bill and Frank. Yeah. So question one, do you think that Frank knew that he was sick before meeting uh, Bill? No. I wonder if he did. I don't think so because we don't see it. And I don't think Frank would have hit it. Okay, I'm convinced with that. I don't think he would have hit it either. But I, I did I wonder about that. I don't think he would have hit it. And I don't think it would have, I don't think the show would have hidden it. Um, I have a second question about this. Do you think that Bill's plan was always to commit suicide if Frank was to be out of the picture for any reason? I do. I don't think, I don't think he ever thought that far. I think it was always his plan. I don't think so. Mostly because I don't think he could think it. That's interesting. I like that. I like that as a character point. He viewed Frank as an extension of himself. Like they had, they were Bill and Frank. Yeah. And that's how it would be until the end of time. Yeah. I think because of how one paranoid, but also practical Bill was, I think that he had well planned this out. I think that the amount of grief that we see on him when Frank tells him that he's decided to die, there's something else woven into it. And I think that it's, that he had already made the decision that, and I don't think he thought it would happen like this, that it would be Frank's choice and that it would basically be these, you know, two suicides coupled together. But I, I think that Bill thought, if I wake up one day and Frank's gone, and laying next to me in the bed, he's not breathing, that that's then when I proceed to to say goodbye as well. I think he had planned it out. And I'm I, whenever I look at, the way that he accepts the news, there's something in there that is more finite even than losing your partner. Um, because he doesn't bargain with Frank at all. He doesn't bargain with Frank. And there's a little bit of it, but not very much. And it's the way that he prepares that wine and takes the wine down himself. He was totally at peace with it. So in my mind, he had already processed that some time ago. I'm just doing some fan fictioning. I like it. Keep going. So we're back down to present day. Uh, Ellie, they go down into the bunker. They see the whole thing. Ellie still wants a gun. She's like, dude, there's an entire wall of them. And Joel is like, no. Um, And... Ellie then discovers they have hot water and she's going to take a shower and then she tells Joel that he stinks, which is, again, very funny. So when they show up and they get dressed, this is how they're dressed in the game. The shirt Ellie wears, I own the shirt Ellie wears. And Joel is wearing that, that the green with the, you know, plaid kind green of plaid, color. Yeah. yeah, it was great. Um, I like that they, they toss deodorant. I like, I just like that stu- stupid toss. He tosses his, I thought oh, that yeah. was great because it shows them as, as family. Uh, I, this is one of my pet peeves that I have in life. I don't think people should share deodorant. I think it's gross. I think you're right, but it's also the apocalypse. I think it's horrifically gross, but I did grow up in a family that shared deodorant. 
it's it is horrifically gross. We don't necessarily know that they're sharing deodorant, just that Jill tossed it at her. Um, so I'm gonna pretend that they're not. Yeah. All right. I was just watching another like TV show where something similar happened, and it was it, it was meant to show that these two characters see each other as brothers. You know, I, whatever. Ugh, I like the symbolism what? of it. I, but also, I think it's gross. It's gross. I would, I would, to be honest, to think about it, I would share a toothbrush before I would share deodorant. I, I know would that not. doesn't make sense. Toothbrushes, I, I would share deodorant and feel very squeaky about it, but I will never. I would share a toothbrush. Before share, I would share a toothbrush. Deodorant. I really would. Anyone? It's a horrific thought. I don't like it. I don't want to think about this anymore. Okay. Let's um, move on. <laughs> so. They, you know, pack up, they pack up a whole bunch of crap, they get in the car, and Ellie is jazzed. It's like a to spaceship. Be in the car. <laughs> yes. She's going to make repeated uh, references to space. It's like her thing. She likes space. If you look on her backpack, she has um, one of the pins she has on her backpack is a shuttle. That makes sense. And she was also obsessed with that airplane that they passed by, the crashed airplane. And you notice when she, when they're walking through Boston, she says it looks like the fucking moon. It makes sense that she would want to get off of this planet. Joel has to basically put on her seatbelt for her. Like, you can see it start to thaw because this is the first time he's physically been this close to her. I loved the moment where she's playing with the uh, side mirror uh-huh. on the car. And uh-huh. she shifts it and then you see Joel's face pop up. And it's yeah. kind of, it's almost a startle moment, but not in a horror way or a scary way. Like you were saying, their relationship is thawing and it almost sneaks up on both of them when he pops up in that really quick way. I like jumped yeah. when it happened. Well, I like, um, I like that one, she's got this great big smile on her face and he is scowling in the yeah. background because he's never not scowling. And then um, he softens. And he softens And a you get bit. to see that in the mirror as well. And it's also a very dad moment because how many how many times have you been in a car and you're in, you know, when I couldn't do my own seatbelt, you know, it, it, it's very parental. Your parents did it, you know. I love it. I was, I, I was and always have been militant about wearing my seatbelt. That's a fun fact about me. So she finds a, because this is a, another scene lifted from the book. Or from the the game, where he he she she's in there. She's kind of digging around. She finds a um cassette player and Joel is kind of like Ellie stop Ellie stop and then a song plays that he likes it's a different song in the game it's not Linda Ronstadt in the in the game that's a call I don't think they didn't have the licensing for that it's some country song I think it is a relatively famous country song but I barely know anything about music and know even less about country I love yeah. this moment because it's beautiful. Very rarely, like I get Linda Ronstadt, like I, I get it, but very rarely do I really fuck with a, a Linda Ronstadt song. Mm-hmm. Um, it's great voice and whatever. Talented I don't know who Linda Ronstadt is. So. She's she's like um, she's fr- she was like a folk singer from like the hippie area era. I kind of put two and two together, but I just did not know. Like if you'd ask, I would have been like, I recognize that name. A person? Yeah. <laughs> like, like, yeah. Here's a, a couple of things that I loved about just the use of this song. One of them is in the show, right? So this callback moment that helps solidify and, like, put a period 
at the end of the instruction, essentially, that Bill gave Joel in his suicide note. So you get the mm-hmm. call back. This was this was Bill and Frank's song. Yes. And now you see at the end of the episode, it's used to draw this similarity between what Bill's purpose was for Frank and what Joel's purpose is for Ellie. That protector role that they have assigned themselves to play for these people. And then the other thing that I loved about the use of this song was when it's first unveiled to us as something that Bill loves. Because like I said, I was really sketchy on Bill because of that don't tread on me flag and the join or die flag and the whole doomsday prepper. Basically this. I fuck with Bill heavy as a person and for all the kind of disparate identities that he occupies. But if Bill was a real person in real life standing next to me, I would never talk to Bill. Because I would be put off by my external judgment of him as this like doomsday prepper guy. But um, the reason that I like that Linda Ronstadt song is because Linda Ronstadt is, like I said, she's from the singer-songwriter Hippy Dippy Days. She's like an, an acolyte of, you know, like Bob Dylan or Joni Mitchell, you know, James Taylor. Like she, she's in that whole kind of cohort. Like they're really like hippy dippy people. The fact that he loved that song and played it on the piano actually softened me to Bill. Cause I'm like, okay, Bill, you're not just some like wackadoodle. No, he seems like a routine, very, very unpleasant person. I would never know, is my point. I would, you know, I would never know. And so, anyway, so I just love the use of that song to show the dimensions of Bill. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it and then it pulls back and it's a shot through the window and you see them drive off in the distance and so again this is a callback to the start screen in the video game through the window it's also a reference to the very end of game two however the tone is very very different um anyway so now we're at our superlative sections and so the first we obviously we i think we can skip the first one was did you like it clearly we did i loved it I loved it so much. It was one of the most beautiful episodes of television. I think I've ever seen. Maybe ever. It's so good. I think there's that. There's like myth. There's an episode of Mythic Quest that's really quite something. That's also about love. Um, I want a Bill and Frank spinoff. No, you don't. It would just be. I want the intervening years, those 16 years. I want them. I promise I do. All right. Um, So let's go with our superlatives now. So the first one is to the edge of the universe and back. Favorite moment. What was it? It was Frank pulling a pulling his big move, like being all fresh the way that he was at the beginning of their story together. Mm. I loved it. I loved the piano moment. I loved the lean in for the kiss. I loved him making the hard press for Bill. Like I said, he was giving me he was giving me Prince. He was giving me Teddy Pendergrass. He was giving me Billy D. He was giving me like Gregory Peck. Like he was smooth, giving me he's a smooth operator. Sade. All the smooth <laughs> operators. Um Yeah. He was. He was he was oof. He was good. So for me, it's really hard. I think the entire episode was my favorite. <laughs> like it was it was so beautiful. It moved from beautiful moment to beautiful moment. Um but I I couldn't decide. It was either like the first kiss 
the last day because that was just oh but also honorable mention to Nick Offerman coming out and just screeching at his at his man. The government are all Nazis. <laughs> yes, and I love Frank being like, well, now, yeah, but not then. <laughs> I just loved it. I loved it. Yeah. Um, no way in hell would they end up together in the real world. Probably not, no. no. But, though, I think if he had met him, like, let's say he met him before he fell too deep in... I, I'm willing to bet that his paranoia and his rep- repression kind of are, are feedback loop. Yeah, and they would calm down after a while. Yeah, like if he had like, met Frank and kind of like met him in the real world and was like, uh, like yeah, like I still think he would have prepped, but I don't think he would have been like fully crazy town banana pants. Yeah, like Bill's going to be who Bill is, but hopefully he would have calmed down. I just, yeah. The thing that I take away from this, episode like if there is a moral Mm -hmm. it's that and i love it when apocalypse shows do this a a lot of times they'll do it with interracial stuff but i love the idea of when the world falls apart all you're left with is the fact that you're human and all the rest of the bullshit falls away so while they wouldn't have ended up together in the before times in the after times everything becomes more essential I like it. Yeah, I love it. All right, so now we go to the your now we go to the next one, which is endure and survive. Your least favorite moment. It was Frank waking up, propped up in his wheelchair, at the end of their story, and telling, not even the telling Bill that this was his last day, but when he was getting ready to do it, and the look on his face, and I knew it was coming. Oh, I kind of did too. I knew something was up. For me, it's it's going to go back to Joel crushing that note. It just, it hurt my heart after all this love and wonderfulness to kind of be brought back in. It's just kind of like a dagger between the ribs. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. When you're lost in the darkness, what's your least favorite character? No one. Everyone yes. was perfect. Everyone I will, was wonderful. If I have to pick, I would say the Raiders. But they got barbecued. So yeah, they got they got barbecued and were blown up. Uh, there's, I think, you hear explosions go off. So they, I think, Bill, Bill put in some pipe bombs and and blew them up. Bill was ready. Bill was prepared. You know what? I fuck with Bill. I like Bill. That <laughs> was the best. I was yeah. It's either miners like mine like my my notes just say like none question mark question mark question mark and then it was like the mean soldiers or maybe the raiders like that's uh, all it says. And Bill was getting it out there. Oh, he was the best. And then the last section is look towards the light. Uh, favorite character. Oh, my God. Do you have to ask? It's so hard. Guess. It's Frank. Or Bill. Of course it's Frank. Okay. No, Frank is the best one ever. Frank is the best. So my notes say Frank, but almost because mine, mine is the same as Frank. It says almost Bill because I love Nick Offerman's performance. Like it's a just just a touch more. just a touch more i like his because he's got that wounded animal performance that speaks to me in a weird way i don't i don't know um but it's frank's colluding with tess to annoy bill and joel that like gives it to frank that's what sets him over the edge because like i just love how they are like i don't know if like like how like we don't really see how it develops but the fact that when we see it they're immediately thick as thieves and clearly reveling 
in annoying their significant others. <laughs> it's just so like it's a side of Tess we don't really see. It's a side of Joel and Bill we don't really see. It's it's very endearing. It was great. Yeah. Invite me to the dinner party. I want to come. <sighs> Especially if it's like out al fresco. Yeah. Let's do it. Plus, Bill looks like a hell of a cook. And he's got excellent wine pairings. Come on. Yeah. Um, so the next section is, is like predictions, themes, burning questions. That's only for you because I know all the answers. Um, I found it to be a very cathartic episode with how they tackled grief and loss. Mm-hmm. So it's definitely a theme that I picked out predictions i don't because this was kind of a can episode almost i don't have much to go on in terms of predictions with joel and ellie that we haven't already discussed um in this show and burning questions i already i asked mine so Mm. that wraps it up for me the entire episode was great um like i said the show is about like the theme is and will be every week for more or less love and Aww. like well, that, that's like that's what these games and what the show is about that's the theme of this game is love in all of its aspects that's so lovely i love it i'm ready for it i don't want to know uh, you know what i'll say this as a pr- as a prediction uh-huh. i have recovered since watching this episode but when i yeah. first watched it it felt like a personal affront it felt unfair that a show that I can't communicate with and express to it what it just did to me and how I feel about it had just done what it did. What it had just oh, did the that internet to me. was like howling. Yeah, it was like how, like the internet was losing its mind because this is a legitimate surprise for a lot of the the sh- like like. I know how this goes. Like, and again, the major story beats, and like we talked about at the very beginning of this, the major story beats are the same. Well, yes and no. Like, but like the major purposes, like the reflection points, the 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 like you said, it's it's it serves the kind of the main moving the story along points mm. and moving the um and like the dramatic things for Joel. It serves the kind of same. Instead of holding up a dark mirror at the end, it holds up a. a but kind of a lighted mirror, a, a pathway like a beacon. To, to yes, it holds up a when you look towards the light, it holds up a beacon instead yes. of that that dark that dark reflection. Yeah. Um. All right, man. So that was great, and I loved it. And uh, if you guys have questions for us, the people that listen, please uh, email us at what is it? What are, TV what is, is life pod at gmail dot com. <laughs> See, I, actually, love, I love how you I, got over your skis there. You're like, email us at... Mm, you're about to give your, <laughs> your own email about, address. Or no, I was about to actually quote an email address from another podcast I listened to. <laughs> this is the read.com. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just make up stuff. Um, no, it yeah, is... Yeah, I was about to like plug in a different one and I was like, wait, wait. That's wait, not That's right. not ours. That's one I listened to. That's one I listened to. It is tviouslifepod at gmail.com. Shriek at us. Yeah, please. Like, you can literally just, like, send a voicemail of you just shrieking, and we'll understand and appreciate it. Uh, If you send me a voicemail of you shrieking, there's a 50% chance that I will delete it uh, just because I am a socially awkward person. 
But um, yeah, shriek at us on like Twitter and Instagram and shit. I'll talk to you all day long. Or that she'll send it to me and then not tell me what it is and I'll open it and then get mad at her. Because I'll forget promptly that I said this. Probably, yes. Yeah, I don't pay attention to myself when I talk. So yeah, we will see you all again next week for more fun times with this show. I believe next week we will be... I'm not going to tell you. I don't. I can't do this every week. I can't do Devastation. It's Every never week. Dev- it's never devastation. Like this is this is. I told you it's the pa- like you will get wonderful bright moments. It's always it's always balanced out. It's what makes this show. It's the brightness that makes the sad moments even more devastating. So I'm just I'm having to strap in. You know this has been a hard week for buckle up multiple baby. different reasons. Um. So I'm just hoping that episode four is. Give me give me a little bit of levity and humor or give me some action and I'll be better off. It's going to be scary. Okay. That works too. That works. So email us. Shriek at us. Um, ask your questions. We'll answer them. Uh, I'll answer them seriously and sometimes funnily because I am clinically unable to be serious. I will answer it. them chaotically and with a lot of emojis. Emojis in the podcast? Like, how are you going to do emojis? Are you just going to be like, sad face, sad face, sad face, sad face, sad face? Yes. Or like, poop emoji, poop emoji, poop emoji? I hate the poop emoji. So do I. I hate it so much. Yeah. I started to send my mom the skeleton one, and she was like, what is happening? Like, dead laughing? Yeah, dead laughing. Like, yeah. And like, my, when my mom would say something, I would say like, the dead laugh. And like, and she would be like, what? Mm. What? I should have never taught my parents how to text. Who are you telling? I'm what? on the I'm on the auntie uh, family group chat, which is great. <laughs> mm. Whenever I need just like a little like pick me up during the day, it's always there. This was um, a very long episode, but it's totally fun and really uh, just cathartic and wonderful and beautiful. And bravo, Craig Mazin and. Did you watch Chernobyl? You should watch Chernobyl. And of course I watched Chernobyl. Chernobyl was the reason I... I I think I told you it's the reason I didn't cancel HBO. Yes. I mean, I I know we're trying to get out, but just one last thing for for Uh people that watched both of these shows. Um, Saying goodbye to Frank. Mm -hmm. Play that, just the very end of it. Play it next to the moment where the firefighter who first encounters the 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 disaster at Chernobyl, yeah, no. with his with his uh, fiance or wife, whoever coming to visit him in the hospital. You see, th- there's an artistic um, language, a cadence that's woven through these two works that I'm familiar with, with Craig Mazin at least. And so um, just for people that are interested in that type of thing, just watch for that. Anyway. Don't ever remind I'm, me. I'm again. done being a <laughs> artsy-fartsy nerd. Um, but thanks so much for this. This was so much fun. It was so much fun. Well, well. One day we will record in person. 
Oh God, we're gonna be so fucking chaotic. It'll be. It's, we're not gonna get anything done. If that. <laughs> no, we're probably gonna have actually to... though. What if it's way more efficient? I it actually, is. it will either be incredibly efficient, or you will have to. We will have to re-record it because <laughs> it'll just be like. It is very hard for me not to shriek at you over the internet. Um, I do not know that I could stop myself. Oh yeah, I would from be doing it physically in person. In like person. we would, it would just be like two of us talking over each other really, really quickly. <laughs> Intermittent, which is how we do. Let me just say this before we get off, which is how we normally talk. Yes, right. Like when we're in person and we have the occasion to talk to each other, it's 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 definitely over the top of each other, but we follow each other. So yes. that's why doing this is is a little bit. It, it takes intention because in a podcast you have to go like one at a time when we're used to going just talking 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 but we all when you've known somebody so long you get what they're saying you know or you don't have to let them finish what they're saying because you know where they're going anyway yeah and ashley isn't subject to my insane facial expressions which she would be if she was here which is usually how i interrupt her (laughs) when we talk yeah, it would be yeah, we would either be we would either be wildly efficient or it would just be us I think like, it'd be a mess to be honest. It would be it would be <laughs> on, yeah. It would just be it would it would be us like talking over each other, half sentences being like blah, blah, oh you know what I said intermittent shrieking and laughing. <laughs> like that yeah. that would be it. It would be intelligible to no one but us. It's very difficult to do it this way actually. It's very it's hard to be coherent. Uh, yeah, it's anyway. like I yeah. All right. I All need right. to go. Well, I need bye, to walk my dog before he stops. He's sighing dramatically. You might have heard him. All right. Well, I, we will see y'all next week. Thank you, guys. Bye. 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 In the meantime, we'd love to hear from our listeners. Follow or subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and send your comments, theories, and just any general feelings you have about what we covered this week to tviuslifepod at gmail.com and we may cover it on an upcoming episode. Thank y'all for listening. Until next time, take care of your characters and each other.